I'm Elke Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I help to demystify technology in the world of business. Join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're talking about server virtualization. We're chatting about what virtualization is, why to virtualize, and the types and sizes of business that will benefit from this type of technology. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clearer idea of how to start this journey. I'm uh, joined by Johan van Orde from Nutanix today. Johan, very welcome. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, I've been in the technology industry for the better part of about 20 years, if you include uh, overtime, close to 50 years. <laughs> um, and the reason why I joined Nutanix was I was getting tired of uh, doing all the overtime, all the after-hours work. So Nutanix has got a saying, we give you your weekends back, and it's literally that. So uh, I know everything about, well, I know a lot about data centers and everything data center related, uh, covering customers from South Africa and Africa, and I mean, technology's changed. So that's me. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, okay. So let's, let's kick off. What, what is virtualization? So if you, if you take virtualization, you're literally um, taking a subset of uh, a technology and you virtualize it. You're making it um, software defined. Uh, in a server virtualization, typically you take the server and you make it a software server. So you get all the functionality that you would get from the, from the physical hardware, but it's a, it's a software defined, software specific. Okay. Um, and, and we're going to get to that later because one of the things that I always like to do is, is we try and make the, whatever we talk about practical uh, so that, so that, uh, if we've got a business owner that's listening, they understand what it is that we're talking about. And you know, most people that's non-technical go, well, I'm just checking out because I'm non-technical, but we'll get back to that. So Perfect. why, why would a business, uh, embark on this journey, um, to virtualize? So the main reasons normally is cost. Um, when you, when you, when any business runs their systems, they need either, uh, if it's a small business, uh, they'll normally just go for a very souped up PC. And larger businesses, they tend to buy servers. Um, and these servers takes up a lot of power and cooling to, to actually run. Also, when you, when you look at the configuration of a physical server, it's quite, um, difficult to manage, uh, to manage the systems. Uh, you take the, the rate on the storage, for instance, to make sure that you've got, uh, duplicate data copies, things like that. So as soon as a business looks at the costing specifically, um, a server costs, there's, there's power, cons- uh, power consumption, also cooling. All of that works on a cost. Now, normally when a business looks at virtualization, they look at minimizing the cost and also to streamline the services around this. Uh, if we take um, the actual operational procedures, running a physical server versus running a virtual server, you can run a lot more virtual service versus physical service. Uh, I think the last virtualization ratio was a 400 to 1. So 400 oh. virtual service to a physical server from a, from a FTE, full-time employee perspective. So it just makes sense virtualizing, um, your environment to first of all save cost. And if you, some of the, some of the bigger companies, they do have uh, cloud economists. So a cloud economist is basically a uh, bean counter that's in a techie world. So when he talks, all the CTOs and CFOs, um, they, they sit and listen. All the techies go is like, what is this guy saying? <laughs> because he talks about money. And that's what it's all about. We want to save you money uh, from a virtualization perspective. And we want to make it easier to manage and run your environment. 
Okay, and then tell me quickly when we talk about virtualization, uh, is it only service that one can virtualize, or or are there ele- other elements in the in the business, like for example, desktops that you can virtualize? You can virtualize basically anything within your data center. So desktop virtualization has been uh, going on for quite a while. Um, there's various companies doing that. Uh, it all depends on on the actual usage, uh, what the customer want to use the desktop virtualization for. Um, a lot of the universities actually make use of because of COVID uh, virtualized desktops for their staff uh, and the um, students to actually study. But you can also virtualize things like your um, storage. Uh, the security, the network, everything can be software defined within a data center. Um, I don't say that you will not need the physical hardware. You do need the physical hardware still, but on that physical hardware, you can run a lot more virtualized platforms than what you can do on a physical system. So, so you're going to get better efficiencies. You're going to lot better efficiency. Get yes. Better bang for your buck, basically. Well, that's ultimately where it's all about. So, um, I mean, COVID saw a lot of companies close down. Uh, I actually did a did a study. Um, companies, I think the longest running company was was about 140 odd years in the US, and they closed down in 2020 because of COVID. Because they didn't look at virtualization. They didn't take technology up as the next step to, to actually enhance. So if you take a company like Kodak versus a company like, uh, Airbnb, why is Airbnb still, even with COVID, um, why are they still, still running? Because they, they embrace technology and make technology work for them. Okay. Okay. So let's go, uh, let's take one of my real life examples. Um, one thing that's, that's very interesting for me, and, and we haven't even touched on that yet. Um, a, a couple of years ago, there was this, this trend where everybody went into, into public cloud. Um, I'm not sure what your view is on what's happening in the market. My perception is, is that a lot of people are, are coming back into, into some for, form of private or, or hybrid cloud. Um, how, how do you see what, what happened in the market from that perspective? It's exactly like you say. So unfortunately, the South African, African market is about a year or two behind um, European or U.S. markets. Uh, we already experienced within the U.S. and European markets that people that went with a cloud-first strategy is actively going back into a hybrid cloud form. Uh, f- uh, form. So hybrid cloud is they will run um, all their predicted workloads typically on their own environment in a data center and um, the unpredicted uh, uh, workloads they will run in a cloud. So if we take a uh, Black Friday special, for instance, a company can't buy all the hardware um, required to run uh, Black Friday. So what they do is, as soon as Black Friday hits, they literally just burst into the cloud. But companies are definitely, and we are seeing this in South Africa also, they are definitely going back to um, to on-premises on a hybrid cloud or even a private cloud perspective. And why is that, Johan? Cost. Um, So and this is where the where, this is where these uh, cloud economists come comes back into play. So we can do a um, a cost analysis for you on what cloud is actually costing. And I personally did a test. Uh, I provisioned a, a Windows VM to one of the cloud providers, and looking at the cost. So um, seeing the the total cost of the actual solution and all the services that they actually charge you for. Now, this cloud provider actually added additional services onto this Windows machine. It's a normal Windows desktop that actually costs more. Now, 20, 30 cents is nothing, but add that by a 1,000 and it oh. starts to add up. So, it, it all boils down to cost and then also for simpli- uh, simplicity. 
Um, it's a lot easier to manage uh, a system environment that you've got full control over than what you do with a with a cloud environment. Um, some of the cloud cloud providers had outages not long ago, no. and their customers couldn't do anything. Uh, no. If you if you take from a from a PCI compliance perspective, your data needs to be within the boundaries of South Africa, especially from a financial and from a law perspective. Now, if this cloud provider goes down, they can't spin you up in in um, in a data center in Europe or in US because yeah. it's not it's not legal. Yes. So you're down. Your business is down. It's business affecting you losing money. So do you think a lot of a lot of companies? Uh, uh, miscalculated what uh, the effect would be to have this cloud first uh, strategy like you I don't think a lot of companies I think all of them do um, yeah. we've got one of our one of our uh, customers recently migrated through to uh, the head office through to Asia um, they miscalculated what they required and they admitted that the costs were about three times what they initially uh, d- d- uh, depended on so it's definitely cost is a, is a perspective. Uh, people don't understand the, the the cost of going to cloud. Okay. Okay. Well, that's uh, we we have to. I think we have to do a whole another episode on that because it, it fascinates me how everybody I almost want to say got onto the bandwagon and then you and then you get a reality shock where you go, okay, f- I don't know, it's going to be um, that expensive. No, definitely. It's it's a um, a lot of people use the buzzwords and the buzzword is cloud first. Um, do that. Do your do your homework properly before you actually um, decide to to embark on that journey. And, and, and the fact that hardware is going somewhere else doesn't mean your problems go away. You still have to look after whatever it is that you're running, wherever you're running it. Exactly. Exactly. So so uh, okay. So let's go to my physical example um, and and what I'm seeing uh, in the. Uh, the lower end of the market, if we want to call it that, the small to medium enterprise market, uh, is people might have done that, and they now going back to okay, let me just buy a physical server. So what, what's interesting to me is is um, I've come across uh, quite a couple of examples where in a multi-branch environment uh, they now have servers in every branch that they're running some. Uh, uh, Let's call terminal type services on so that so that they can process quicker. If I now go into this virtualized world, can I accommodate uh, those remote branches in this virtualized world, or would I still go and buy a server that I that I that I place there? No, you definitely you can. So there's there's, there's multiple option, uh, options that you can actually use. So first of all, it all depends on your connectivity to the branch. If you've got decent connectivity, then you literally just need a terminal to connect to um, whichever service you, server you've got, either on your private or hybrid cloud. Um, what we do also experience in larger retail type of customers, they uh, they tend to deploy what we call robo, remote office, branch office, um, physical service, but still virtualized. These are normally servers that will run um, file services, print services, these type of things. But it is they've got about 50 to 100 people in that specific branch. On smaller branches, if the connectivity is correct, it's literally just a terminal server that they've got uh, located in that in that uh, region, and it connects back to the main main environment. And then, and then, uh, let's take your scenario of, of the, the the fully fledged virtual server that's deployed at a at a branch or regional level. Uh, you'd still be able to get the benefits of the virtualization in terms of central control and uh, and that server syncing back to your main infrastructure, I assume. 
Definitely, definitely. It all depends on, on the actual solution that you go for. Okay. So some of the solutions you do need to manage each and every single server on its own. Um, but it's all about simplicity. And that's why if you look oh. at the Gartner Quadrant, um, the top right-hand corner uh, vendors, these are normally the guys that allow you to do central management. Um, once you've got central management, you can have a view of everything across all your environment. So um, one of our customers is a tier one bank uh, situated within South Africa and has got branches all over Africa. They've got five people looking at about 400 physical servers. Wow. Um, at any given point of time, it's only one person actively looking at it and they're fully managing it remotely. So what what's important from a uh, managing perspective is the simplicity of it and also high availability. So if I've got one server, if it's business impacting, if that server goes down, I need to have high availability. So high availability doesn't necessarily mean I need to have another server to cater for this. Okay. Depend on the size, you can literally have high availability on a disk level. If a disk fail, I can still carry on without losing any data. Yes. It all depends. And this is once again, it is, it is solution specific to some of the vendors. Okay. Okay. Um, so my next question would then be is if, if the virtualization uh, roadmap makes so much sense, why hasn't everybody jumped onto this bandwagon, if I can call it that? Uh, do you think there's a, a resistance for people in, in terms of maybe they're scared that uh, the existing IT resources doesn't understand the technology or don't have the required skill level? Why, why would you say there's, there's still a lot of people that just do tin? Uh, complexity. So if you look at some of the solutions out on the market for virtualization, it is complex. It is, it's difficult to get it up and running. And then also cost. So some of the, some of the systems does allow you for smaller companies to actually uh, operate free, uh, on their platforms. But it's still, if you don't know, if you don't have the knowledge to set it up, it can be quite complex. Okay. Uh, some of the solutions are a lot easier to use than some of the others. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so um, and do you think there's a there's a fear or perception of potential vendor locking that that they say if I go down this road I um I can't, it's difficult to change. Definitely. So if you if you look at some of the some of the vendors uh, or solutions out there, uh, they specify that you must have this type of hardware, uh, or you must have this type of virtualization uh, from a hypervisor perspective, and that is vendor locking. Yeah. Unless you've got the choice to actually move on the fly, then. There's no, there's no uh, reason for to actually stay on that. Okay, it's okay. definitely locking. All right. Okay. Cool. So, th- so now uh, here is the million dollar question: What if I run? Uh, um, my example that I always use on the show is um, I'm running an accounting firm with uh, uh, branches in Pretoria, Joburg, and Cape Town, and let's say we're we're a, a total of let's say thirty people. Do I does my business qualify to to deploy this uh, virtualization infrastructure? What, what would you say is the is the sort of minimum barrier to entry? So minimum barrier to entry, um, I'd say is if the server goes down. <coughs> sorry, if the server goes down, do you actually lose revenue or not? If you oh. are losing revenue, then yes, do do look at virtualization. It's a lot easier to back up a virtual system and restore it than it is to rebuild a, a physical system. Okay. So as long as there's financial business impact, then definitely well, you have to look at it. That must then be virtually every business. Yeah. Yes, basically every business. Unless you somewhere, I don't know, very rural where you're still writing out uh, receipts by hand. 
I mean, everybody, uh, and it's such a pertinent thing that you said. You know, I, I didn't think about, about it like that until now, but um, a, a lot technology. Um, somebody actually said to me earlier in the week. Uh, you know, often tends to be a grudge purchase because. Um, if I'm the business owner and I have to now fork out money for another server or another this or another that, it's uh, it's almost begrudgingly and I'm going, but it's it's actually hampering my business. But if I embrace it and I understand what the impact is of of my business standing still, like you said, now then then it makes the decision and the strategy a lot easier to to deploy. Definitely. I mean, if we take um, let's take Transnet for instance, they were in the news fairly recently um, with hackers and some ransomware. A lot of the farmers actually redirected their goods out of Maputo, out of the Maputo Harbor. So how much money did Transnet lose by having their systems affected? They might be virtualized, but do they have the right virtualization systems in place? Yeah. So virtualization is just one thing. It's just one part of it. Uh, if you look at the bigger stack, you need to make sure that um, you've got high availability on your physical hardware. Um, you need to have uh, backup solutions in place for your physical system or for your virtual systems. If something like that happens, that you can restore. And, I mean, we've got customers that were hit by ransomware, um, and they were up and running within a day, and they didn't have to pay any ransom um, ransom demands because of the solutions that they deployed. Okay, and uh, that comes up literally uh, in every show. Even though I try not to hammer on it, but I mean the the reality is it comes back to the to the same story. So number one, you have to understand what the cost is of of your business standing still, and then and then number two is, is how quickly do you want it uh, do you want to be able to operate, and what's the risk of losing your data? And and I think there's still a lot of people that don't. Um, Fully comprehend what the value of the data is. Um, you know, there's these buzzwords that our industry have, uh, data is the new oil or whatever that story is. It sounds buzzwordy. But, uh, w- w- if, if you cannot access your data f- through some sort of ransomware e- event or whatever, what is the cost to your business? It, it might be, it might be, f- uh, closed down forever. Definitely. I mean, if you, if it's a little mom and pop shop, uh, with a PC running a point of sale system, um, and they sell, bread and milk on a corner street cafe if the pc dies then they haven't lost that much because it's mostly a cash business yeah um if you're one of the largest retail uh, retail companies within south africa or africa or wherever in the world and your business closes down or you don't have access to your data you're literally losing millions imagine a bank um, is hit by ransomware and they can't access data for within within the industry today if i try to withdraw money um, at an ATM, for instance, and the ATM is offline. I've tried five different ATMs, different banks' ATMs, and I can't re- uh, withdraw my money out of my account, and I need it. It's quite easy to go online and apply for another uh, another account at another bank. Yes, yes. And we need to keep our customers. So we need to be customer-focused. To be able to be customer-focused, we need to be able to, to ensure that our systems can cater for whatever life throws at it. Nobody expected COVID to happen. And do a study on how many companies actually closed down worldwide, long-standing companies, because of COVID, because they they couldn't cater for the unforeseen. And and, and uh, I want to now bring it back to I believe the bulk of our market is that we speak to. I'm coming back to my uh, example of my accounting firm. That data that sits uh, on the one or two servers that I've got in my in in the uh, back room in, in my office in Johannesburg is probably uh, uh, principally as 
worth as much to me as as that large retailer's data that you're talking about because without that um, maybe 15 or 20 years of my life that I spent building the business is just gone. So there's no business too big or too small that shouldn't have uh, uh, you know look at this and say okay right maybe maybe I need to consider what the impact on my business will be. Definitely, definitely. I mean, even if it's a small mom and pop shop and you've got customer data on there, protect your customer data because if you've got a, a, um, a marketing campaign that you run and you don't know your customers, even if it's just an email address, if it's value to you financially in generating additional business, then protect it. Make sure that it's, that it's available. Make sure that you've got access to it at all given point of time. So, okay, now let's make it practical. If I now, uh, sitting, I'm sitting in my accounting practice and I listen to this episode and I'm going, I need to, I think I need to investigate this a bit more. What is, what's the right place to start? Where do I start to, to see if I can, uh, embark my business on this journey? The best place to start is, um, look at typical system integrators, uh, people that, that do this for a living. Um, don't phone your neighbor's son-in-law because somewhere along the line he works in IT. He's actually just a desktop technician, but now he needs to advise you on virtualization. Contact professional companies out there that specializes in these. They know what is what is in the market. They know what's best practices, and they know what to do to ensure that your business can stay up and running and can actually flourish. Okay, thank you. And I think that's good advice is, um, you know, even if you have existing IT resources, it cannot hurt to get a, to get a second opinion, a professional opinion. Um, uh, you, you representing a vendor, uh, um, which are, are you guys available to, to customers, uh, or, or would it always have to come through, through a, a partner or how would that work? So we, we, we will always engage a customer. Um, we don't deal direct with customers for the simple reason is we, we make sure that our partner community also benefit from, um, representing my company. Correct. So, but we are actively involved in all companies, uh, okay. all our customers directly. We just don't sell directly to them. So, so for objective advice, uh, you guys are available. You're just not going to sell to the end customer. Definitely, yes. And the fortunate thing is um, the people working for the company, is they've been in the industry uh, with various uh, companies, various vendors for quite a long time. So they know what's best practices, not only from from uh, my company's perspective, but also from industry standards per, uh, perspective. And uh, we've got an MPA score of over 90 for over seven years. That means that customers trust us. I'm not going to sell you something that I know is not going to work just to make a buck out of it. Because yeah. tomorrow you need to go tell your peers uh, in the industry, this is what, what I got. Okay, cool. Johan, thank you very much. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to Unbundled, brought to you by Catalytic, a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make smarter decisions in your business. Remember, you can listen to all the podcasts on the Cliff Central app or the website. And for added convenience, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. If you're looking for help with your communications uh, needs, uh, make sure to visit catalytic.co.za. Cliffcentral.com